Welcome to the No Right Way, the Messy Road to Eating Disorder Recovery Podcast. We will be talking about the fears around body image, control with food, and how to challenge the expectations of diet culture and fat phobia. We're your hosts, Allison Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist. And Katie Gaston, registered dietitian. Now, before we get started, this podcast is not a replacement for therapy, nor is it meant to be used for mental health, nutritional, medical, or psychiatric treatment. If you are needing assistance, go to www.therapyden.com or inclusivetherapist.com to find a therapist in your area. For nutritional support, visit eatright.org to find a registered dietitian. Hi, welcome to joining us on this podcast that as of right now does not have a name. I am Allison <laughs> Gomez, licensed marriage and family therapist in California. And I am Katie Gaston. I am a registered dietitian also in California. And we are here to be talking about like the mental health parts of like nutrition and like, having I guess this more like creative flow and connection between like your body and the foods that you're consuming and whatnot, like in this anti-diet frame. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so I am so excited to be on this, like doing this with you, Katie. Like I have, I mean, I feel like my interests kind of go like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to talk about this and this and this so I'm really excited that I get to talk about this this one thing that about like that connection between food and creativity and intuition and trusting with you same I am so excited to be talking about this because I think this is a good time to kind of do this six-part series because I think that I have kind of very recently been in a creative recovery for myself. And so I think just really further exploring how these all interconnect, I'm really excited. And I feel like it'll kind of be like, we all go on this journey together. Exactly. And you know, when you're talking about like that recovery of the creative journey, I'm thinking about your Instagram lives that you were doing. I was going to say over the summer, but it's not even summer, but like (laughs) over this past like few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, basically took the intuitive eating workbook and artist way, and I combined them into a 12 week kind of intuitive eating creative recovery blend. And this idea just kind of popped in for me just kind of that total like creative flow that it kind of felt like it just came out of nowhere. And just this idea and this concept of bringing intuitive eating together with creative recovery. And I was just kind of like, I just need to see what this looks like and where this goes. I had no idea if anyone else would get it, if anyone else would be into it. And it was awesome. I just finished up uh, two weeks ago, I believe. And I think it was great because I found other people that were really into this, you know, blending of the concepts together. And so now I really feel like I've found something 
that speaks to me in terms of talking about intuitive eating with creative recovery, because like you were saying earlier, I think it's really a full uh, recovery of our intuitive selves. And I think that working with intuitive eating to reconnect with your food and body and learning how to trust that connection very much feels like that trust of the connection with the creative intuitive, you know, cause it feels you know, even in these past couple of weeks, I've really been feeling how the two kind of feel very similar from my own, like eating disorder recovery of kind of like having to just take leaps of faith. And it kind of feels really uncomfortable and it feels, it almost, it's very interesting. Cause I saw another artist, um, inspired to write that I follow on Instagram. She was saying like, sometimes for creative people, that creative energy can feel like anxiety um, you know, cause it's very intense, you know, it always kind of like comes in and it's very intense and it's almost like an electric buzz feeling for me inside, which is kind of similar to what my anxiety feels like. And so I was feeling that yesterday and really it was like, I allowed myself to create and like paint through it and it felt amazing. And I felt just so fulfilled, but it was almost uncomfortable at times because it's almost like an overwhelming energy. And so it's me realizing, you know, that discomfort is not bad. It's just that I need to, um, you know, continue feeling into it so that it doesn't feel so intense. You know, it's kind of like I need to, it's almost like a restrict binge cycle, you know, where I've restricted my creative recovery or like my creative energy for so long that it's almost like when it comes in it feels like binge feeling of just like oh my god I need to create art for 10 hours today you know when I really want to normalize it and really just bring it in and very you know gentle and uh just kind of more content ways instead of this kind of like huge surge of like incredible creative passion which feels good, but then also not so good in some ways. I feel like that's a whole topic right there. Like that, <laughs> like that restricting binging. Cause I see it in money and I see it in mm-hmm. like other avenues, other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling that. Cause I've always been like a creative, whether or not like I would get paid for to be this creative, who like that's a different story, but <laughs> I've always been very much into like you know, music, singing, dancing, mm-hmm. whatever, um, writing, writing poems, song lyrics. Um, they tend to be depressing, like in nature from when I was mm-hmm. writing them, but like that was always like one of my things. Like I, I really enjoyed those things. And I think, and I'm thinking about like the people that I tend to see in my practice who are, they have these creative parts of them that they just have been disconnected from because they're mm-hmm. not allowed to feel what they're they're feeling and also there's this aspect of control of like I want to create these things but if it doesn't look perfect from the beginning then there's like no point and so I'm not going to even bother because it's Mm -hmm. going to be ugly and stupid and then you know like and then it goes down the spiral of judgments and what it Mm -hmm. means for this thing to not be perfect and it's so uncomfortable and just kind of me thinking about what you were saying with like that intensity feels so like it's not necessarily bad it's just Mm -hmm. there's a discomfort in truly Mm -hmm. letting yourself be connected with you and what you're feeling Mm -hmm. whether that's like the emotions whether that's like hunger cues whether that's like Mm -hmm. the creativity part like they all are kind of intertwined 
if you're not comfortable with feeling that vulnerability, then it's like, nope, I'm not going to do this. But it makes it so hard to like live and feel and Mm -hmm. really enjoy being in the moment if you disconnect yourself. Completely. No, I completely agree. And I've now turned into that, you know, annoying person or that person that I used to think was annoying where I, I completely and wholeheartedly believe that everyone is creative. And I know that people hate that because some people are like, no, I'm not, you know, like stop trying to force me into like something that I'm not. And I think it's just that we all have our unique form of creativity. And so I think that people, if you don't follow like a quote unquote traditional form of creativeness, you know, where it's like, yeah, painting or singing or, you know, like creating like music and creating songs, like whatever it is, like if it doesn't look like that kind of, you know, what you think of is more like art then you think you're not creative, but it's like, I really think that everyone has something that they're really passionate about or something that they're really interested in and really into. And that to me is creativity, you know, whatever that looks like. And I also see in my practice and just with my work with people with eating disorders, I think people with eating disorders are the most creative people I've ever seen you know, and in, you know, a lot of the more quote unquote traditional ways of uh, creativity. And I think it's just what you said. It's like, they don't allow themselves to create because it's that perfectionism. It's that, you know, kind of that stifling of that kind of, yeah, almost loss of control, but in a good way, you know, when you're really wrapped up in something that you're passionate about, you might lose kind of track of time or just you really get engrossed in it. And that can feel uncomfortable to people that want to, you know, control every aspect of everything because it feels, yeah, it just feels like you're not in control because you're kind of like lost into the higher, you know, energy of creativity. Yeah. Well, like, I'm just thinking about like my own days, like with disordered eating and just diet culture in general. I mean, everything's about control. This is how Mm -hmm. I'm controlling my body. This is how I'm controlling my hunger cues. This is how I'm Mm -hmm. controlling like my metabolism by like, Mm -hmm. you know, insert whatever that (laughs) at the moment. Mm -hmm. And to really let yourself feel these things, you have to let go. You just have Mm -hmm. to let go of that control. And Mm -hmm. you've been restricting regardless whether that's like food money whatever like when you've mm-hmm. been in like that quote-unquote starvation mode for a really long time letting go control feels so incredibly unsafe it feels like yes. it's never gonna end it's just gonna keep spiraling to, yes. to the end of time I know like for a lot of people who are who avoid like those really uncomfortable emotions like sadness fear anger whatnot it's the same thing like I'm depriving myself from feeling that so when I finally feel it, it feels like it's never going to end. I'm always mm-hmm. going to be sad. I'm always going to be angry. I'm o- it's going to consume me. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, oh, no, I just, I, I rode the wave. I didn't drown mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. But it's like being open to like riding those waves. And it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes into, you know, what we wanted to talk about of like the why of, you know, like why we're talking about this, like why we want to, you know, put this messaging out there or just really, yeah, like explore these ideas, I think is just that, you know, where I see the ties between, you know, eating disorder recovery, you know, intuitive eating, it's like I tell a lot of my clients, you know, 
we're used to the external, you know, we're used to the external telling us what to do, you know, the diets, the food rules, you know, diets are incredibly prescriptive, you know, they will tell you exactly what you should be eating at exactly what time, you know, and how much all of these different things. And so it feels, you know, safe in a way, like you were saying, I like that where you, you know, said that it feels unsafe to like not have that control. I think that the diets, you know, give us this sense of safety because it says if you follow these exact rules you will get everything that you've ever wanted you know your life will be perfect nothing whatever bad will happen you know that's where we kind of you know project onto what it will bring to us and I think when we're trying to let that go it's letting go of that kind of false sense of safety that false sense of control and it's reconnecting with our inner instead of being you know told what to do from external. And that can feel incredibly uncomfortable because we're having to turn into ourselves and ask, you know, what does our body want? You know, is my body hungry? Is my body full? And that is really disorienting in the beginning because people are like, I, I have no idea what hunger feels like. I have no idea what fullness feels like. And so it's a lot of, um, kind of just, like I like to say of being kind of the in-between between between people and their bodies of like, okay, you know, when this happened, like that could be a hunger cue for you, you know, like when you were kind of feeling lightheaded, when you were feeling, you know, like your stomach was grumbling, you know, like those could be hunger cues. And so like we're saying, you know, it's kind of like taking the external and making it internal in terms of guidance and that inner guidance and inner trust which again, ties into that creativity because you're having to trust that inner spark, that inner flow. And yeah, it's very uncomfortable because it feels like there's no answer. It feels like there's like, you don't know where it's going to go and you don't know what's going to happen. And that feels very scary because up until this point, you've been told if you follow, you know, steps A, B, C, it will lead to D, you know, like it's very, but it doesn't. And so it sets us up to really feel like we can't trust ourselves because we're like, I did all the things that, you know, the things that were promised to me didn't happen. I'm just thinking, I was thinking about like, um, that comfort, that false sense of security, because it's not really secure anyway, because it Mm -hmm. leads you to kind of hating yourself. Like I'm doing Mm -hmm. all the things. Why is it not working out? I'm doing all the things. Why is it not working out? I'm doing all the things and now I can't do all the things. So I guess I'm just a horrible human being. Mm -hmm. And, but even that's safer than just letting go because then you, Mm -hmm. at least you know, the cycle, you get started on this diet. You do, you're like, yeah, I'm excelling. People might even be complimenting you. It might be like quote unquote working. And then all of a sudden, you know, a giant piece of cake comes your way. And like, derails everything and you know you're back on that despair part until you go on to the next diet you know but even mm-hmm. and that can feel very predictable and even that can feel comfortably un- it's comfortably uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know what to expect versus like yep. I'm just gonna let go of everything and mm-hmm. just trust mm-hmm. because it's not even because you really don't know what this looks like you're really like you're an adventurer. You're like Bilbo Baggins here, you know, like for my Lord of the Rings fans, you know, like you're going on the adventure and you don't even know what to expect. And it's scary. Yeah. Is there going to be a dragon? Is there going to be trolls? I mean, who knows? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to tell people, you know, I don't know what's going to happen either. Like, And that can be maybe really scary to hear from, you know, if you're coming to me for, you know, kind of like eating disorder recovery or trying to break out of that dieting cycle or trying to, you know, go more into intuitive eating, you know, that can be maybe even scary to hear from me of like, yeah, I don't know either, you know, I'm going to guide and help, you know, like guide you through working through these things and, you know, getting through your blocks to kind of get to what you truly want, you know? And so I really try to, um, create goals and show that, you know, you're kind of, I'm trying to put people back in alignment with their body and themselves, you know, cause I think just like you said, when we have these, you know, dieting cycles of like diet after diet, after diet, every time we quote unquote fail or like feel like we didn't get the results that we wanted, it kind of creates another break in that trust with ourselves of like, see, I knew that I had no willpower. I knew that, you know, like I couldn't do it. Like, why do other people, why are they able to do it? I can't do it. Why are other people successful? And I'm not when really, you know, I think we're all kind of living under this like false it's yeah. It's like, we don't even want to say that you like fail or succeed at diets because it's like, what does the success really even look like? And I think that it's, um, really just bringing it back to turning it internally and going about it in a whole new way, which feels incredibly scary because there is no answers because life is messy and you're just going to have to kind of take it one step at a time. And yeah, it's incredibly scary. But I think that's what I love that, like, that's one of the reasons why I'm love that we're doing this because it normalizes this path because this isn't the quote unquote normal path yes. to go. Like mm-hmm. the normal, the, the normal thing to do is just embrace diet culture, mm-hmm. embrace fat phobia, embrace all these yep. other different pieces mm-hmm. when and so when you're trying to break away from it, there's something wrong with you. If yes. you, if you're hanging out with friends and they're talking about diets and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not interested, you know, it, yeah. it, it can make you feel very other, which makes it even more uncomfortable to embrace it because this is a very vulnerable process and, yes. and, and you need support and we all need support in this. Yes. And mm-hmm. so I love that even though it, it's taking it in, it's also reminding you that you're not alone in this. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it feels, I, I feel like diet culture makes things very gaslighty. Yes. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> no, right? I tell people, like, this is the greatest marketing, you know, like success besides maybe like the marketing of, you know, the diamond industry for like engagement rings and wedding rings. You know, that was like a whole like, marketing thing and now we've taken it in as like tradition you know like we think like oh yeah when you get an engagement ring you know that's how that goes and then you get a wedding ring you know like you need two rings like all of these things like that was a marketing thing which is like mind-blowing to me and I kind of see diet culture in a similar way where we've taken in all of these things as kind of like fact and like rooted in you know like just solidity of like how society is set up when really it's marketing it's successful marketing where just 
I try to, you know, bring it back to like, if there was any other product that was, you know, you bought a vacuum and that vacuum didn't work in the way that it said that it would, you know, it didn't like make all your dreams come true. Like it said that it would, you would return the vacuum, you know, because you're like, this is the vacuum's fault. Like if the vacuum doesn't pick up the dirt in the way that it said that it was, you're not going to turn it around of like, oh my God, like I'm a terrible house cleaner. Like I just must be an idiot or just like not capable of like vacuuming up the dirt. You know, you're like, no, the vacuum is the thing that's at fault here. You know, it's a faulty vacuum. But with dieting and the diet industry, they have successfully turned it around onto the consumer that if you don't, you know, achieve the results that, you know, they either guaranteed you, promised you or alluded to, you know, they turn it around onto you where it's like, oh, you lacked willpower. Oh, well, you didn't, you know, follow it perfectly. Like we only said that it works if you follow it perfectly and forever, you know, it's like, or they'll say, you know, like results guaranteed in 30 days or whatever. And so it's like, okay, so you get through the 30 days and then what, (laughs) then, then you go back to, you know, like how you want to, you know, eat and function. And then, you know, the results that you might've had don't stay. And because that's just not how our bodies are biologically set up. And then, but again, it's back onto you. And so it's, it's just such the biggest lie and the biggest setup of, you know, the diet industry, not being held accountable for any of it, because the thing is, is they've set you up to fail from the beginning, you know? And so it's not you, it's, the diets, the diet industry, and every, you know, piece of marketing that kind of falls under like that diet culture umbrella, you know, of, they say in intuitive eating, I think Evelyn Tribbley says it where it's, you know, they've created this marketing, you know, kind of setup where it's like foods will either heal you or harm you. And when you start looking at advertisements, start asking, like, is this, trying to advertise to you that this food will like heal you or harm you. And it's fascinating because it's, that's, those are the two things, you know, and it's all based on how they want to market to you. I could go on a whole food marketing tangent. I think it's fascinating (laughs) to me. I'm actually um, researching and trying to set up a food marketing guide um, where I go through, you know, marketing terms because some marketing terms like actually quote unquote, mean something like they have specific definitions and then other marketing terms don't quote unquote mean anything. (laughs) And so I just, I think it's all fascinating because it makes us to believe that it's truth or it's just that it like means something larger than them, than companies just simply trying to sell us something and trying to tell us that we are, you know, broken in some way. And this, you know, whatever they're trying to sell us will then fix everything. Even though nothing really needs to be fixed. Like what really needs to be fixed? What's wrong with your body? There's nothing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so much of my work is, you know, kind of guiding people through that idea that there actually isn't anything wrong with your body, you know, because like I was saying, and kind of alluding to like diets are set up to go against how our body biologically wants to operate, you know, so it's not you, it's not your body, like your body is doing the things that it's, you know, functioning to do. And so when we try and place a diet on that, that's where we get that disconnect, because 
your body doesn't know beauty standards of like the current year, you know, like your body doesn't know that like, oh, now beauty standards have changed and that you're trying to shape your body into those beauty standards. Like your body doesn't, you know, understand that. Like it's trying to keep you alive. It's trying to make sure that you're functioning. It's trying to make sure that, you know, you're able to have your heartbeat and your brain thinking and everything else functioning. That's its goal. And so I think it's really trying to bring that connection back through showing that like, this is what your body is functioning from, from this kind of point of view, rather than like the diet culture point of view. Exactly. It's just like, it, it's listening to yourself. I think, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think about my toddler because I have a toddler and mm-hmm. I'm always so amazed at how in tune he is with himself. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. hold on to things longer than he, you know, he doesn't hold on to things longer than needed. He doesn't, mm-hmm. And he eats when he's hungry. He doesn't eat when mm-hmm. he's hungry. He, it, you know, he, yeah, he doesn't eat. He eats when he's hungry and he doesn't mm-hmm. eat when he's not hungry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it makes me wonder, like, you get these kiddos, again, a little asterisk here, assuming they're growing up in an environment that is supportive mm-hmm. of them. If there's like a lot of abuse, then this may not be what your kiddo looks like. But, mm-hmm. um, but those kiddos, it's like, they love themselves so much and they're so connected to what they're feeling and to all these other cues. And mm-hmm. then just life kind of disconnects them from that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I don't know if I'm hungry. Maybe I'm hungry. Maybe I'm bored. Yep. Maybe I'm like, I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Am I a horrible person? Because that's what, I mean, that's what I do with my clients. You know, we look at these, like, what does it mean to satisfy your hunger what does it mean to have these kind of relation have this relationship with your body yeah like how do we define those values and how is it holding Mm -hmm. you back how is it how is it hurting you yeah there's a lot of conditional worth Mm -hmm. and food becomes a part of that and and again if you're trying to like if you're trying to prove your worth then mm-hmm. it almost feels like you're not even allowed to be creative because if you make a mistake, mm-hmm. if you fall off that diet, if you do whatever, then you're a bad person. So of course, you're not going to be able to like really feel these things and make mistakes and be a messy human being because yeah. like, that's not allowed. Your worth is kind of on the line. Mm-hmm. Completely. And I love working with hunger fullness cues with people because it's, it's so complex, <laughs> you know, it's not just simple hunger fullness cue. Um, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's a total connect with yourself. And I, you know, really believe that everyone is born an intuitive eater. Like you're kind of saying, like, it makes sense, you know, like even I tell people like my profession as like a solid profession was only come about, I think like maybe in the past 70 years or so. And so, you know, humans have been around (laughs) for, you know, centuries, like this idea and this concept that we need to be told how and what to eat, like, it just, it doesn't make sense in terms of the, you know, evolution of human or the ability for humans to survive without dietitians or without, you know, 
like dieting books telling us how and what to eat. And I know that that's all going to be based in weight loss. Like I get that that's, that's the goal of the diets is weight loss, you know, primarily. Um, but it's just like what you're saying, where like hunger fullness cues, like they're as neutral as like the cue to like sneeze, the cue to like go pee, you know, the cue to like any other body cue, you know, like the cue that you're tired, you know, the cue that like you, when you wake up, like there's so many different cues. And I think that we place so much, um, yeah, like you're saying morality on like the hunger fullness cues of like, oh, it's good that I'm hungry or, oh, this is really bad that I'm full or the other way around, you know, like, oh, it's really bad that I'm hungry because like, you know, the meal that I just ate should have made it so that I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> you know, like we place so much, um, blame on ourselves for these hunger fullness cues. And it does exactly. It disconnects from ourselves because we slowly over time learn that we can't trust those cues because they're not cueing in the way that we think that they should be cueing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, I really think that we, we unlearn these cues. Like we unlearn that connection with ourselves and our body. Like they've done studies where if you, they've taken little kids and kind of just have them like free reign over like being able to choose foods and everyone will say like, oh, the kids probably just chose cookies, you know, for the like entire time. But it's like, no, over time, they actually balance out where they choose cookies, they choose carrots, like they choose and they actually showed that these little kids chose a variety of nutrients where they got all of the nutrients in that their bodies needed. And so to me, that makes sense. You know, like our bodies are able to tell us like, hey, you know, this is what we're needing because our bodies like to, you know, thrive on kind of like the overall, like the average, and it, it doesn't need to be perfect nutrition every single day. You know, like mm -hmm. our bodies can handle, you know, kind of like that, that variety, like we are, you know, set up to be omnivores. Like I know that people can, you know, have different, you know, vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, as a whole, we are omnivores. And we, that's why we don't like to eat the same thing every day, you know, like, maybe our dog does, you know, where you kind of just like feed the dog, you know, same thing every day, basically. It's like, we need to have variety, because that's how we're set up, because that is how we get all of the different nutrients that we need from the different sources, you know, so our bodies naturally have us, you know, crave or are drawn towards having a variety of different foods. And that makes a lot of sense. And I'm just like thinking of my kiddo because my kiddo can just like eat marshmallows and cereal and cookies. But then there's mm -hmm. other times where, you know, I'm having a salad and he just takes it and then he's like mm -hmm. more salad. Like it's my Mm -hmm. okay I guess I'll get another bowl you know because he's totally hogging it you know and he's eating like mm -hmm. the apples and all these other foods and mm -hmm. like more whole produce and whatnot and it just and so like that makes a lot of sense I'm like ooh, I didn't even think about it that way mm -hmm. but then you know I'm also not I'm a therapist so we don't mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally I mean that's yeah I mean it's like that's the knowledge of me being a dietitian and like knowing, you know, the, the ins and outs of the food pieces of it. And, 
Um, those are the parts that I really like to like educate people on because that's not like we're saying, that's not like the norm of knowledge that's out there because that doesn't, I always like to say that like intuitive eating and like eating disorder recovery just doesn't sound as like sexy and, you know, like, uh, clickbait or like it doesn't sound as like soundbite as you know saying like Brussels sprouts will kill you you know <laughs> like you know that's an article of like if the headline was like oh Brussels sprouts you think they're healthy but they actually will kill you of course you're gonna be like oh my god like I need to know this you know like mm-hmm. I need to go click on that and it's like no <laughs> you know it's not it's not as black and white as that it's not as all or nothing it's not as you know there's so much nuance and so much you know, every person's going to be different. So you can't have an answer like that of like, you know, oh, Brussels sprouts will kill you. It's like, okay, yeah, if you're like definitely allergic to Brussels sprouts for some reason, then like, yeah, maybe, maybe that will, but like just trying to, yeah, bring in the, the, like the marketing of it just really loves to create this sense of fear within us. So then they can sell us on that fear of like, oh, this food will cure that fear or this food will enhance that fear. So like stay away from that and choose our product that will not enhance that fear. You know, it's just, there's so much to it. And that's just from the marketing perspective. That's Mm -hmm. not even from like the systemic, like like the passive perspective of like fat phobia Mm -hmm. and anti-blackness and yeah you know, just classism, all the things, you know, so I mean, it's very, it's very nuanced, Um, but we are starting to run out of time for today, Mm -hmm. but I am, I guess like to kind of give an overview for them, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of Mm -hmm. things in these six weeks. We're going to be talking about pleasure and what Mm -hmm. that looks like when it comes to that creativity and intuition connecting with food um Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about what recovery looks like because recovery does not it's not it's a lot more nuanced than that (laughs) than what you know like the media portrays or whatever Mm -hmm. um and we're going to be talking about like systemic oppression we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about a lot of different things yes um so uh, stay tuned and listen to the next one because by the time this comes out there will be other ones yay <laughs> I know, yeah yeah and definitely I think it's you know kind of having it be a little bit free form of you know like we'll have a general topic that we're kind of talking about but then you know whatever kind of comes in with it just like today where <laughs> it's about the why but it's you know we talked about food marketing we talked about like intuitive eating toddlers we talked about so many different things we're embracing the messy yes exactly <laughs> embracing exactly. the messy <laughs> Maybe Wait. that's our title. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was going to, when I was making my other podcast, Dreaming Big, I was going to use that as my title. And then I'm like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does that work? I mean, it could totally be our title. We will see. Because by the time we you listen see. to this, you will yeah. know what our yes. title is. And if it doesn't exactly. match, well, then you know what happened. Exactly. <laughs> any, any last words for today? Mm, I think I'm just, again, like I, I really love these topics, you know, like I've been in my own creative recovery process 
very recently. Um, and so again, I'm just really excited to talk about this now because it just really, it gets me a whole different level of passionate or, you know, just a different subset within my profession of, you know, a topic to really bring in. And like we're saying, it bleeds into so many different areas that we just touched upon like a tip of the iceberg today. <laughs> so I'm just really excited going forward. Me too. I just, I, this is really important maybe because there's so many like therapists out there who have not done their own work in mm -hmm. addressing their own internalized fat phobia and mm -hmm. diet culture messages that just get ingrained and it does a lot of damage. Yeah. And so it's, good to make space for that where like hey it's not in your head mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not being picked yeah. I was told that once by a friend that therapists like it's not their fault that they don't know and you should be mm -hmm. like patient with them as they're navigating this like mm -hmm. yeah except that was not okay <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. not my responsibility no I'm not getting paid for supervision to consult with them no <laughs> I'm paying them yeah. you know so yeah. so I'm really excited to be able to make like that space well, if our listeners want to find us, where can they find you? Yeah, um, my website is katygaston.com. So K-A-T-Y-G-A-S-T-O-N. That's kind of like an overview of everything that I have um, going on, but I'm most active on Instagram. So that's at katyg underscore rd. Um, so that's where you know, I'm exploring my own uh, relationship with social media. So I don't even know what it's going to look like. So if you want to just come along for the journey, of, you know, like eating disorder recovery, art recovery, you know, that's kind of where I'm going at, like with everything right now. But yeah, I would say I'm most active on Instagram. I love that. Um, I love the journey part. Um, I'm <laughs> at Allison Gomez MFT, Allison with one L, A-L-I-S-O-N. Gomez, G-O-M-E-Z, M-F-T.com. Um, I am on Instagram, but I'm kind of like taking the stuff back, but you can always follow mm -hmm. me at Allison Gomez, L-M-F-T. Um, I'm on TikTok too, but again, it's kind of like whenever the mood hits. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, thank you for joining us today and we will talk to you next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank Toodles. you for joining. Bye. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure to leave us a review. If you would like to know more about us, go to katygaston.com or healingwithgroup.com.